Hey, Litecoin Underground, I hope you've been enjoying these Twitter spaces. I'm still working on trying to get some more um, interviews in person or kind of one-on-one -on -one interviews with people. It's not very easy between my schedule and everybody else's. It's not always the simplest thing to sit down. So um, I hope you enjoy this one. These are all coming from, you're going to have three, this is a three-parter this week. We had probably the longest, I think it is the longest Twitter spaces we've had to date. Uh, it went a total of six hours. Uh, I don't even know how it is that I stay awake for these things. So um, anyway, this first part, we talk about a number of things. I really got into market caps, a little bit of macroeconomics, um, and just talking a little bit about the market in general. I think that's something I try to avoid. A lot of times I feel like talking about the dollar value of the coin is, it's all temporary. The important thing, things that we want to take notice of is the fact that addresses are growing, transactions are growing, transaction volume as far as like how many uh, coins are being transacted on a regular basis are all growing. All the metrics of on-chain stuff is positive. And so we don't want to lose sight of that and get caught up because the market's in a dip or the market's running. I mean, these things are the things we can rely on. So um, adoption's been great and everything's been going well. And hey, we got our first podcast in 2021, the Litecoin Underground podcast. So I'm hoping to keep building this thing and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Have a good one. All right, sorry guys. I gotta get everything set up. All right. Well, anyway, so you know, this morning I was uh, driving. I don't know if you guys get this in the morning where you're going to work, or I sometimes have to drive to a customer or something. I got like an hour to go. You get caffeinated and you get kind of hyped up. You know what I mean? And uh, I think, uh, oh, actually, I was listening to a Bitcoin space. I do it occasionally. They didn't make me mad, but they started talking about um, what gives coins, what gives the coin backing, right? They talked about, like, people will ask them what backs Bitcoin. And I've often thought about this stuff, like what gives these things value. And um, I'd like to talk about that at some point. And I think we even touched on it a little bit in uh, like why Litecoin that first episode, we started to talk about like what, <clears throat> what is it that gives these things value. But mostly what I want to talk about today was market cap. And what a, just an awful measure of, value that it is so when i was in my car like i said i sat there for 45 minutes ranting to myself i don't want to bore you guys with 45 minutes of ranting so feel free to speak up if you have things you want to butt in or ask questions about but essentially you guys know like market cap is just essentially the circulating supply of the coin multiplied by the last price the coin sold by uh so you know, I started thinking about with all these tokens everybody's creating with like um, the MWeb tokens, the OmniLite tokens people are creating and 
it's making me realize like how crazy it is that all these coins that have come from really nothing have garnered this much quote unquote market cap. So, um, I was looking into some coins, like how many people own, how many people are like, how many 10 people own, you know, 80% of the supply or how much of the coins are even readily available on exchanges because, and this is why I say why Litecoin to come up today, but how much market depth matters, how much liquidity matters, how much volume matters. And that these, if you look at the top 20 right now, top 30, almost none of them are coins that are trying to be money. Like maybe even five out of the top 25 or even five out of the top 50 that you would say, oh, that's actually attempting to be a form of money. So um, I have all this stuff written down that I want to talk about, like with, like I said, market depth, um, things that manipulate the markets. So staking, staking manipulates markets. People like rewards and fee structures that keep people, they prevent people from actually putting their coins in the market or valuing these things in a fair market. And I think we've gotten a really distorted view of what value is. Um, And it almost feels like every single thing that's done is an attempt to make the markets as thin as possible, which is why I wanted you to come up here, why Litecoin? Because I think you and I have brainstormed about this. So like if there's 20 million Bitcoin, but only 200,000 are actually available on exchanges, that promotes massive volatility. It just creates volatility, which is great for traders. So all the tools that are put into place today, um, like staking, just disincentivizes you from actually putting your coins in the market. Um, hodling, everyone says hodl, hodl, hodl. And I know I say that a lot too, but I also tell you to spend your coins, right? Spend them regularly. But that encourages volatility. When you get rewarded for putting your coins like on uh, BlockFi, you earn interest. And then or, you know, one I always look at is Voyager token, right? So you get rewarded for not only putting your coins on their exchange, then you give them more money to get their token that they created from thin air. And you're even more invested in not moving your coins, not you don't want to liquidate your coins into cash. And it creates these really thin markets, which are what are getting manipulated. So these are all things I was thinking about today. And I'm realizing I wrote down so much that I don't want to bore you guys to death. But um, I don't know. What do you guys think about all that? Don't forget, there's also hand-to-hand transactions, right? That doesn't even get recorded on the market, too, huh? Hand-to-hand transaction, you said? Yeah. Well, yeah, like vol- yeah, volume's one that it's like no one even talks about volume. And that was something that got released today by, actually, I shared it recently. The Litecoin, at Litecoin, I think, shared a tweet that the third most volume, right, is Litecoin. I don't know where some of these numbers come from. Metrics are hard to come by, too. That's the other weird thing. Yeah, I posted, uh, like, a thread <clears throat> earlier from Masari's, like, pro pro subscription. Like, I just paid for it. 
to see because they have better data. I think they use coin metrics, but um, yeah, Litecoin has pretty consistently been the third crypto for like actual on-chain um, volume in terms of like US dollars being moved over 24 hours. Um, so I think that's really interesting. You talked about a lot of points like, yeah, we, we often promote hodling, but it's really the, the marginal buyer or seller, like the buyer of last resort that determines the price. And with a lot of these coins, right? Like if there's no fundamental demand, like no demand in commerce for these tokens, like there's not much real liquidity there. So price can tank in, in, in a, in a matter of minutes, right? Like we see that all the time. That's what worries me about, Bitcoin long term is since May we've sort of seen um, like lack of demand for transacting on the Bitcoin network for whatever reason um, so it seems like we've been in a, sort of a bear market in regards to on-chain activity since then and that worries me because there's a lot of people looking for an exit um, you can tell that by everyone who, who expected that 100k pump at the end of the year and, and now it's like are we going to get one final move to the upside where everyone <clears throat> can can exit their positions or are we just going to see like this slow trend down um, and then eventual like forced institutional selling? So I don't know. I, I, I'm like in between. I don't know whether to be bullish or bearish. Um, but well, yeah, what are what, you guys' thoughts? I guess in, in you know, all the things I was looking, cause I was looking at, like I said, you look at the top 20. It's like, it's, probably like 10 platforms, what I'll call platforms, you know, Ethereum, Solana, Cardano, uh, Avalanche, all those. And you've got probably like seven, six stable coins now. There's so many stable coins. And um, very few coins that are like decentralized trying to be money. And I just realized like it's a, it's a very, it's going to be a long, hard road regardless like i don't i don't know that we're going to have that massive upside push because so much money is being spread out into these platforms that again they're just locking liquidity up you know i i look at i don't know i, I mean i know voyager token has a good relationship with litecoin but i think of them as an example of <laughs> i don't understand these tokens i don't understand how crypto.com coin can have such a massive market cap. It's a coin that has zero use outside of crypto.com. It's like, I don't understand. It. I mean, yeah, you get a reward. So you get rewarded. You're forced to buy it in order to earn more interest. So it's like you're giving them, let's say I got to buy $10,000 worth of the token. So I'm giving them $10,000 up front to get bigger rewards on the back end. Like, I don't even, it doesn't even seem to make any logical sense. And, you know, they'll lock it up for three months or one month. And if crypto.com falls out of favor, if people choose to not use that platform or their rewards go away, that token has no value. It's it's wild to me that these things are got gotten so large. And and they're only large in the sense that there's a I, I looked at it up today. There's a hundred million dollars or hundred million crypto.com coins. Um, 70% of them are locked in a basically a time-released contract, like next November, 
half like 50% or 50 million get released next November or something. And then even beyond above and beyond that, there's 10 wallets that hold the other 10 more percent of them. So there's only like maybe 20% of those liquid actually on the market in any way. So I don't know if that's the trigger. Some of these things become, they get released. Like I know Solana's got a date where a bunch of them are going to get released. And that's the trigger that just ultimately causes this kind of collapse, like a bursting of a balloon in a way, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of variables that go into that. One that comes to my mind is like a lot of these tokens, you don't know what the initial distribution was necessarily. So crypto.com may own like a majority of those tokens and then trade them with themselves. Like remember when XRP or Ripple, like whatever foundation, like was just paying market makers to keep their token price elevated. There, There's... There's a lot of that happening on the back end, I'm sure, with people who had ICOs and distributed half the coins to founders or whatever. It's really easy to to trade coins with yourself on random exchanges and create fake volume and keep a high place on, on coin market cap. So I don't know whether they're doing that, but um, it seems fishy. Wait, how, hard, how hard would it be to set up like various bots that just trade each other? You pay you pay an exchange whatever a hundred thousand dollars, they list your coin. You <laughs> you lock up basically all the supply in a couple wallets. You trade amongst you and five whatever. You create a bunch of bot algorithms to just trade each other up, and it's all fabricated money anyway. And they get yeah. the buzz right, and then you yeah, just you rope some people in until. Yeah, it, it works because you held you were responsible for the initial distribution. So, yeah, you, you can sucker a lot of people in that way. And then the only way they beat you is if enough people, I guess, retail buys in and then attempts to all sell at the same time. That that would be hard to maintain a price. But I don't know. It's happened so many times. Like I remember it happened with like Veritasium. I don't know if you guys remember that from like 2017, but. It's like just, they just like pop up out of nowhere and they're like number 10 on coin market cap and they get pumped and then eventually start falling down. And I mean, I think similar things happen with a lot of these billionaire tokens like Solana and Avalanche. I mean, there's this huge like initial distribution to VCs and uh, they have a coordinated plan. They, they find a narrative that they can sell and... Uh, it's worked like time and time again, like new retail keeps falling for these different. Um, I don't know if they're scams, but like there's a, there's definitely like a hint of real technology underneath it, but largely uh, orchestrated pump and dump to me. Well, because... yeah, Master's in the audience. And so he's one of these guys creating all these, creating some Omnilite tokens. And I was thinking, you know, we were talking about creating a token last week and, it's like so silly to think, oh, you can just make a hundred million, come up with a website, pay some people to pump your coin, go buy it on the exchange so it looks like there's actual value to it. <laughs> and then, you know, you have a hundred million of them, you buy, you know, your buddy buys a bunch of them from you for a dollar, and now you got a hundred million dollar market cap. Like, it's, it makes no sense at all. <laughs> the yeah. oldest trick in the book, like the world. 
yeah, it is. It's the oldest trick in the book, and it's but I, I don't even know. And that's why NFTs, I feel like NFTs are working the same way, same exact way. They pumping each other, right? And when and I I almost wonder like sometimes. I mean, by the way, today I just saw this headline today about you know the whole thing going on in Kazakhstan, right? Like how coincidental all the miners move to Kazakhstan, the internet goes out, and they're having an energy shortage. But um, you know, this would be a very good way to delegitimize crypto in general, right? Make it all just kind of funny money, create massive volatility. That's what I think most of this is intended to do, is to create volatility. It all points to exactly what I'm thinking. That is exactly what I was thinking. Exactly. This is a way to hit the like the take down Bitcoin and the whole market. Fill fill the market with trash. Yeah. I mean, I mean, think. Let's say you're. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Let's say you're. Let's say you get fifty million bucks, or you 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 see Bitcoin, Litecoin as a threat, and you decide. I mean, you can write articles in Forbes, Business Insider. I'm sure you can get plenty of articles printed for a small fee. You can buy bots. You can buy influencers, and you can just. It's like a distraction game. It's crazy. And looking and, at that, seriously, look at the top 50 right now. And they have unlimited money. <laughs> and they have unlimited, exactly. That's, that's the whole point, because they have unlimited money. They, they can borrow at any price, at any level. Yeah. It's crazy. It has been. It has been crazy. But so, I mean, I think, maybe this think, is some sort of massive cope for me. As being I a think pointer. <laughs> this, this, this is this is all going to be changed with the SEC intervention. That's, that, that's the only way. That's the only way. I know it's like a bad way having the government yeah, figuring this out, but this is like this is going crazy, man. Well, do you th- what do you think is going to happen though? Do you think that crypto.com is going to go away? Uh, most of them, my opinion is, most of them they're going to go away. As long as the bull market is running and they have money, they're gonna keep going. They're gonna keep doing what they're doing. As long as the market goes downwards for a bear market, they're gonna disappear eventually because it takes a lot of money to maintain a network like Solana or whatever the name is. It takes a lot of money to do it. It's not easy to do it. That's why, yeah, the, particularly the crypto.com because they've been the marketing thing, like they're just spending it. You know, there's just it's Everyone. crazy amounts of cash. Yeah, I was hey guys, this is uh, Master. How's it going? Hey, what's up, man? No, not too much. Just, just uh, driving home. Hey, um, I wanted to jump in just a minute on this. You guys were talking about those um, crypto.com tokens, and I think White, White Litecoin was on Masari's. Um, metrics page the screener. here's here's what i think is going to happen um i think they're all going to get listed on basically like a new york stock exchange those tokens um it, potentially it could be masari it could be coin market cap um like it is today right but when you go on those on those pages uh they're going to fill out the they're going to fill out the information about you know the supply of their coin the holders when it was created 
you know, the use case. It's, it's really kind of, if you just look at coinmarketcap.com, it really kind of already is that today. It just needs to be regulated potentially. Um, and so the crypto.com coins, those tokens, uh, all they are is really securities, right? They're just digital security, securities. They're not going to go away. Well, they're like a rewards program. Or like possible members. Yeah. Yeah, but but still, it's what is what is what is a stock certificate? It's it's a piece of the pie, right? Yeah, but you don't own part of crypto.com if you have those tokens. Yeah, but maybe that's the old system, that right? But that's the old system. Like technically you kind of still do because the founders of crypto.com probably own a bunch of that. So really you kind of do own the company in a way. Yeah, I, I agree with Master. Some of them are like trying to avoid securities laws, yeah. but still are securities. Like they're giving you a portion of the trading volume that happens on the yeah. platform. It's definitely revenue sharing. It's like a security. Like that's what BNB was for a while. Um, and then they changed it to like just saving on fees. But yeah, they're like, if they could be securities, they would be. And I think. I think Master might be right. These might start getting listed and regulated. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think you're onto something. I'm not sure when that happens, but... Yeah, well, when, when you take a, look at, take a look at... Take a look at... You know, I took a look at Masari's screener. They do a really good job. I was just impressed. Uh, you could just see that system being used... Uh, is kind of a regulated platform to be able to provide information to, you know, investors, retail institutions on each asset. And then each asset has to get validated by a regulator, perhaps. That the information is, you know, somewhat correct. And if you get a chance, it's pretty impressive. Um, I think it's definitely yeah, it looks the like best some out professional there. Terminal that... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't know how new that is, but it's, you know, Masari's been around for a while. They had some, I think they bought somebody out, what, two years ago. But that platform is, uh, yeah, it's really good. So, but, uh, but anyways, um, yeah, so I'm trying to sell some of those MWeb tokens for one Litecoin. Um, so the market cap, the market cap would be a lot. I think it would be like, you know, a billion dollars. Yeah, if you got, yeah, 150 bucks times eight. 84 well, million, eight, there's 84 million of it. Be higher we than can list it. We can Wait, list what is it? it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, it would be higher than Litecoin. Yeah, it would be higher than Litecoin. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you remember when so if you guys I, want one computer came about? You remember when internet? Is he, is he breaking up for everybody else? Too? Yeah, sir. Yeah, 10.1, right? I heard the same thing, right? Oh, yeah, what do you uh, got? I got a 10. I got a 10. I'm fine. I got iPhone X. I'm fine. No, no, I, I think you got you one. Well, so, okay. I, I also want to circle back a bit because uh, this is something I actually talked to Y Litecoin this week about. But um, so, in talking about what gives these coins value, let's, let's talk about like legit coins. And Something I thought about a while ago, I was thinking about inflation and probably the most important aspect of money, whether we like it or not, is faith. It's faith that that somebody else will 
down the line give you something valuable for that asset. Like, so no matter how great the technology is, if nobody cares about it, nobody's interested in it, nobody's going to give you anything for it. Or if they're afraid of it because of volatility, they're not going to exchange anything for it. But I start, but we were, I was talking about, you know, with Lightning Network and with low block fees or with, with, with block space available on Litecoin. Um, I don't want to sit here and sound like a, being negative about the price. I'm just saying that that actually is a it it the demand for the block space seems to be the thing that drives the price. If there's no demand for block space, if nobody's using it, there's no there's it's a tool, right? Money's a tool. So if nobody's using the tool or seems to have any need for the tool, then there's no value to it. So I'm kind of like... It's not, it, it, it's not true in our case, though. Because Litecoin has been used for years. Like crazy. It's Yeah, it's being used, but the demand for the block space isn't like reaching it. There's no, there's no lack of supply. There's ample supply versus the demand at, the, at this point. And the emission is pretty high. The what? On... Uh, the, the emission on on the mining, right? Yeah, the block the block rewards currently I think are what three or four percent for Litecoin, yeah. which is higher than Ethereum, higher than I think Monero. Uh, you know, obviously double double the amount of Bitcoin. Yeah, but it ke- it keeps coming back to that demand thing. Like we don't have a like right now because of the mining. mining? The miner, miners are going to run great. We have a secure network. But the demand has to be there. The usage has to be there. Because if people don't see any use for the tool, then at some point the jig is up in a way. You know what I'm saying? I'm, gonna say, this is sound, I'm not trying to be negative. I know I'm a Litecoin podcast. Just trying yeah, to explain. The, I'm trying to think through yeah, the it, economics it, of all this, right? It makes, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying, um, but the good thing is, is that Litecoin has a lot of demand, right? So a lot of these other True. currencies or other uh, platforms, their demand right now might just be NFTs only, right? So what's Solana going to be doing? Probably just NFTs. What's Ethereum going to be doing? Uh, NFTs. Nothing. Uh, maybe, maybe tokenization of companies' securities? Yeah, but is, I mean, with Solana, don't you just go? Who's going to be the liquid, next Solana? Liquid network, liquid network is is, is testing on. Yeah, yeah, liquid can uh, do it. Yeah. On security, actually, I have some, I have some security from them, from uh, Infinite Fleet, from uh, online games that they sold. Well, so master, think about anyway. Yeah. This is the other thing I started thinking about, like Lightning. What Lightning Network is going to do. And it's yep. good for usability. It's good. You want to you want to take pressure off the blockchain, but it's going to basically pull. You know, if it gets highly functional, there'll be very little demand for block space. Yeah, that's no, probably nobody, that's if, if no, that could be ahead. what you're seeing right now with Bitcoin because um, for payments, people are just using Lightning, right? So, Lightning adoption on Bitcoin has just gone through the roof. And that could be potentially one reason why the transactions on the 
Bitcoin network have kind of steadied, they kind of steadied out, right? Um, but if you look at Litecoin's on-chain transactions, we've gone, I don't know the numbers, but we're now doing 50% of what Bitcoin does daily. And I think at times we're at 75%. And a couple of times we actually passed Ethereum. Yeah, I know. And so the genius of, of MWeb is that it's it's um, going to increase the block size. Um, the, the extension block is going to have more capacity to do more transactions. I think we'll probably be able to do 2x or more transactions. Uh, yeah, he said, he said it's a on, three, on three layer, to yes. four, on three to four megabytes. And then, and also what I think the big part is that the addresses are not, uh, what is it? The sending addresses by Lamas are not a, they're not recorded, right? Yeah. They're not yeah. recorded. Yeah. That's the, that's the Mimo Wimbo process. Correct. But the yeah. three megabyte, the three megabyte block on MWeb, it can be better on on second layer, like like a Lightning network on MWeb. I have a question. Does anybody know how many of uh, these wallets are non-active? The uh, Litecoin wallets, like from ten years ago, are there any metrics on non-active wallets? For sure. I think if you go you to uh, done... Glassnode, that information might be on Glassnode. Yeah, it'll tell you the percentage of coins that have have not moved, and I would say, like of all, like that's one thing that I think is really uh, positive about Litecoin is that we probably don't have very many non-active wallets. Like it's we're pretty there's a lot of volume, and a large majority of the coins are in the market, so to speak, or have been used within some two three years. Where some of these other wallets, I mean, I, I'm not joking, guys. You can go, you can look up some of these coins on CoinMarketCap, and there's a little header that says holders, and it'll tell you the percentage of people, like top 10 wallets hold 80% of coins. Top 10, top 100 wallets hold 85% or 90%. And uh, right now, Litecoins, I think top 100 wallets is something like 30 um, Bitcoin's then, something like twenty. Yeah, Bitcoin's lower, and then I think Doge is Doge is maybe fifty. Doge was really high. Yeah, maybe but whatever. They just I mean, said thirty percent of the Dogecoin is held by uh, Robinhood in one Robinhood wallet. Thirty-three percent. Well, but that's but see, that's not one holder, like really, right? Right. So. And that stuff to me is like a matter of time. It's just time is going to flush that out, right? So, well, I don't know. They're totally just... opening up their wallets pretty soon. And I think that if they open up their wallets, they'd open up Litecoin wallet and, and Bitcoin wallet. I think that's probably the only three wallets they would open. Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Doge? Yeah. As far as, I don't know what other uh, cryptocurrencies Robinhood offers. I don't even think they, maybe Bitcoin Cash or something like that. Well, they got Ethereum, and they've got, I think they have Ethereum oh, they Classic. Do. I think they have Ethereum Classic as well, if I'm not mistaken. Somebody tell me if I'm wrong. I don't use it, but. Um, so, I mean, the reason I'm bringing all this stuff up is, like, 
like I said, maybe this is just some sort of major cope for me sitting here watching Litecoin drift down the, the ranking uh, of what a ridiculous metric the market cap even is. Like, I don't even know why that's a metric. Maybe there's something else we should be looking at that uh, we do see as more valuable. I think volume not, is a huge one. It's not well, a one thing about market cap is useful, at least for people who actually want to understand. So it's it's good for coins that have a really low denomination right so dogecoin people think it's cheap just like xrp they think it's inexpensive right because it's under a dollar at a dollar but if you actually look at the market cap then you realize that it's a six market cap so it's actually really expensive so that's how i would use the market cap true true right so if you're sitting here saying to yourself hey i want it i my goal is to transact because if my goal is to transact value from one place to another like you're basically overpaying on Doge, right? You're paying a premium to access this network that you can have the exact same security using Litecoin for a whatever a third of the price or something. Yes, <laughs> it's kind of it. crazy, right? So, yeah. So, some some of my beginner friends when they first got into this, so like, hey, why don't I buy Doge or why don't I buy XLM or why don't I buy XRP? It's a lot less expensive. I go, well, yeah, it is ex- less expensive, but go look at the market cap. And I walk into the market cap. They're like, "Oh man, we're well, getting a much smaller piece of the pie." That's the best way to look at it, right? Um, yeah. So I don't know. This is all the, the reason I guess this stuff um, I think is important to talk about is because I, you know, actually somebody I got into a thread this week with someone, and uh, I didn't feel like he was necessarily uh, well intended or in good faith, but he was saying, "Hey." These are some things that Litecoin has to face. Like we have to talk about this stuff. And I think he's right. Like we do have to talk about the fact that market cap is, if you look at the chart, hey, we're falling. And anybody who's coming new to the space and says, well, Litecoin's falling down while these other ones are going up. That that must mean it's fading and everything else new is coming up and it's going to replace Litecoin. And I think it's important just to, to explain what are the things that go into market cap and why is that ultimately not the metric that we would want to look at when we're talking about the future of money or sound money and uh-huh. Keith, coming back to the, it's a different game, right? If you seriously, I almost want to go down this list. If you don't mind, give me one second just to go through these coins, right? Obviously Bitcoin, Ethereum, right? Tether's a stable coin. Binance is an exchange coin. And, and I guess I'll call them a platform, right? Binance would be a platform. Solana is a platform, USDC, stablecoin, Cardano is a platform, XRP, I kind of feel like they're trying to be money, even though they're, you know, XRP is more, yeah, I get that, but I mean, they're at least, they're, that was their, for, their core focus from the beginning, Terra, Polkadot, Avalanche, platforms, Dogecoin, trying to be money, Shiba, I don't know enough about Shiba, you guys might have to educate me, Polygon's a platform, then you got BUSD, stablecoin, crypto.com, exchange token. God, unbelievable, dude. $12 billion for exchange token. Wrapped Bitcoin, Chainlink, another platform, Uniswap, another platform, stablecoin, platform, and then Litecoin. Uh, trying to be money. And then another stablecoin right behind us. And you got, I would say, Bcash is trying to be money. I don't even know. After that, you know, I, I was talking about Monero. They're back there trying to be money. But, I mean, it's five out of the top 60 coins. You know? 
it's crazy what has what this what this has all become yeah i, I well i think it's a speculative casino definitely but also at the at the same time i do think market cap is a reflection of demand right even if most of it's speculation right like if there's a lot of fundamental demand for litecoin to be used as money all over the place then there's no way that the market cap would be this low i think it's pretty simple it's just bitcoin transaction fees are pretty low um people generally have heard about bitcoin has a greater network effect higher security level it's just use the better money um if you have the option but the thing is that if there is a lot of demand for Bitcoin, fees go up, and then you're you're forced to use the second best thing, and I, I think that's Litecoin. Well, I, well, um, I like, think what I'm what I'm trying to say about these other uh, assets that are moving up the chain, I don't I don't think that's necessarily a fair reflection of supply and demand because the supply is distorted. Yeah, that's why I said it's a speculative casino, and that's like earlier I was saying. There's a lot of money pushing these tokens. Um, I think it's like momentum-based hedge funds early vcs that got distribution access to coins cheap like there's a lot of different reasons um for these uh other platform like tokens to be up there and and like nft mania was a real thing people got really interested and so you have all these competing platforms now since ethereum fees were high and and uh I don't know. It just seems like what the the masses are interested in. It's not really, you know, money. It's it's gambling on NFTs. It's like trading card mania, digital version, <laughs> to me. And yeah. and that that demand can collapse like as soon as that mania is over. Like the once the mania dries up, there's no reason to use those platforms. There's a bunch of people who bought in thinking they could sell higher, and then it, it just all kind of collapses. Yeah. But th- but things like Litecoin or money, if they're actually used like like we think they're being adopted, it shows in the metrics on chain that Litecoin is getting more transactions, right? Underneath the value range of Bitcoin, right? You compare the median transaction values, like Bitcoin services around a thousand dollars on average per transaction. And Litecoin's like a hundred dollars on average, so it's like a order of magnitude difference. Um, but as Bitcoin keeps moving up the the level of median transaction values, like Litecoin can keep monetizing below it. So I don't think that trend will change. Um, and if that's true, Bitcoin and Litecoin should hold up in a bear market where all these other things kind of get wiped out. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean they may they may fluctuate. They may certainly have their bad days, but they're they'll all, always survive. Indigo, I'm gonna let just because it's Cake Wallet, you know they they were nice enough to do an interview. Is this uh, is this you, Vic? No, this is Justin again. But thank you. Oh, <laughs> what's up? What do you got? What do you want to you want to tell us about the uh, robust volume on Cake Wallet with Litecoin? Have you adopted <laughs> it? Yeah, I mean definitely. I think one of the biggest sticking factors, so to speak for Litecoin is that it is widely supported globally. And so there is quite good, consistent liquidity for Litecoin compared to you know, a lot of other things. If you talk about market makers, they're probably going to support Litecoin. If you're going to talk to custodial, or not, not necessarily custodial, but just institutional uh, platforms that help them custody their own coins, they're going to support Litecoin out of the box, right? Meanwhile, two years ago, none of them supported Doge. 
and it was only the mania that sort of caused everyone to freak out and have to add it. So um, I would, I'm going to bring up a quick example about a coin that I don't really support, but I think it's good to bring up in the context of payments to show how it's not really everything though, is Nano, right? You hear Nano proponents all the time talking about, well, it's perfect. If everybody just used this, it would be free. It's instant. It's perfect for payments. Why isn't everybody using this? The world would be so much better if everybody just used Nano, right? But the fact of the matter is, in practice, if you actually walk through what an actual payment would look like on Nano, usually it's far worse. There's no liquidity on either end of the exchange. So if you have to get assets to buy something, you have to pay a spread on one end, then you get your free, so to speak, transaction, but then you have the spread on the other end, right? So you haven't actually solved too much. So I think um, it's really, really difficult to chase payments. Um, when you have stable coins in the mix, because stable coins don't have volatility. On Ethereum, they're expensive, but that's why you see USDC on Solana, for example, where it's a pretty centralized platform and it's cheap and it's low, like, you know, low volume, sorry, uh, low volatility. So, how are you going to try and compete against that? Right. So, I think when it comes to Litecoin's place in the space, it's like, it's not everything to think about things from just a, what are their competitive advantages perspectives, but try to think through, okay, what are the reasons why somebody would want to hold this asset? What are reasons why someone would want to use this asset? And of course, in Cake Wallet, people frequently use it because Litecoin is supported everywhere. No matter where you live, you're going to find an exchange that supports Litecoin, and it's very fast and it's very cheap. You can get in, you can get out. That's not even the same for Tether. That's not even the same for USDC. Right? They are, you know, USDC is largely US based, USDT is largely outside of the US, and Litecoin just works everywhere. So it's it's a nice well, asset a for you. Course. So do, do you have a lot of statistics or access to statistics about your wallet? Uh, we we collect literally nothing. <laughs> so the only thing we know is Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we have no idea how many Litecoin wallets people make. We don't know what Wallets are made of Litecoin in our The only thing we know is what Google Play and Apple tell us. That, that's all we know. It would just be interesting to know, like, since you brought Litecoin on, are people generally, because really, let's say Monero is the X factor, right? So people who are choosing to get out of Monero, are they choosing to move into Bitcoin or Litecoin? Generally. And, is it, and, and maybe right now fees aren't very high, so it may not make much difference to them. But if yeah, if it was twenty bucks to trade into Bitcoin, they might go, oh, I'll just, I'll just use Litecoin, right? I'm just, I'm just trying to spend some of my money, and in particularly once we get Mimblewimble up, up and running, I feel like that would be even more likely, right? They can get out in a private way. So I think uh, the the private argument is something we're going to make. If you start to see global exchanges compete and try to differentiate by supporting Mimblewimble uh, for Litecoin. Uh, Litecoin, I think that's an example, besides just fees, you know, lower fees, for why you'd want to use Litecoin as opposed to Bitcoin for just moving money around. I think that's certainly a, a more compelling argument. I would say, honestly, at the moment, um, if I had to guess, just based off what I've heard people just give sharing stories about, I think Litecoin is kind of the backup option for people, just to be completely straightforward about it. Yeah, like if, if, if Bitcoin is cheap, for example, if network fees are cheap on Bitcoin, they're probably going to be like, eh, cost an extra two cents on Bitcoin, whatever. They're all like cost a tiny bit more, whatever. And of course, if you're sending 
I don't know, $1, you're going to be more sensitive to that. But for most people, if they're sending 100 bucks or so, they might, I mean, they're going to use Litecoin as an option if Bitcoin's having a busy day, for example. Interesting. It's funny because it's the same, you know, it's essentially the same level of reliability. And maybe that's just a time factor. Like over time, they realize like, wow, Litecoin's been here so long. They're basically interchangeable in that sense, right? The security, yes, there's more hash power and whatever you want to say, but uh, neither of them have failed. Neither of them failed to work. So to me, 100% is equal to 100% on both sides of the table. So they're equally reliable, I guess. It depends on the money. It, it, it they're both money. On the money. Yeah. On the money. When, when it comes, when, I know people here talk about transaction volumes a lot, and that's actually something the Monero community talks a lot too. They like to at least think that higher transaction volumes are going to correlate with higher price. That's not really directly true though. Um, but I will say that if people are consistently using the asset to send money between exchanges, let's say for conversions, um, even though that directly doesn't result in stored value there, you know, a user buys Litecoin, sends it to an exchange, immediately sells it, right? There's no value directly being stored there, so to speak. But what it does is it encourages liquidity on both sides so that people are willing to store value in Litecoin, you know, a greater amount of value than they otherwise would have because they're going to be profiting from all the exchange activity. So it has that sort of second order value effect as opposed to the direct effect. I think a lot of people focus very heavily on the direct effect. Oh, someone needs to buy it. Well, if you're just transacting with it, you're going to immediately sell it. But the people that are actually going to be parking value there are the people that are providing liquidity for these spaces. Well, it's, it's that it's the idea that, again, it goes back to when you, when you use a form of money, you want to know that the next guy down the line is going to be willing to accept that money from me. And so the more often people use it and they experience it, hey, Litecoin works every time. Bitcoin works every time. There's always a market for it. I never have to worry that fees are going to go, like on Ethereum, fees are going to go to $100 and all of a sudden, shit, I can't even use the asset I have. I have to sit here and wait. My money's basically locked up. Like that, that's ultimately, and that, that would be a fear of mine of Bitcoin if things got really ugly or whatever. And I wanted to get out for whatever reason, not that I want to, but you know, fees go to $50 and I only hold a thousand dollars in Bitcoin, but that sucks. I lost 50, I'm losing 5% just to get my money onto the market if I wanted to. Right. So I don't know. All right, Indigo, I. I made you uh, step aside. What's up? <laughs> no worries. Actually, just to add on to what, uh, sorry, is it Jake on Cake Wallet was saying earlier about transaction fees? And I agree. The on-chain transaction fees, I don't put much weight behind it, uh, mostly because, you know, a lot of those transactions, um, as he was saying, one, if there's a buyer, there's a seller. If you're using it, you know, that means you're getting in and out. But also, as another example is uh, BSV, you know, they recently had a two gigabyte block, you know, one block every 10 minutes. They had a two gigabyte block and they have tons and tons of transactions on there. But the issue is, you know, as we all know, one, they're, they've, they're not on as many exchanges. They don't have, uh, what's it, that much um, access. Uh, people have, don't have that much access to it. Um, and also, you know, obviously the fundamental issues 
Uh, what I wanted to say earlier also, though, is just that, you know, the market, I feel like, is pretty irrational right now. It's not rational. Um, you know, a lot of these meme tokens, for example, like Shiba Inu is a token, and those printed out of pretty much thin air, right? But all of a sudden, it has so much value. There's no actual utility or use case behind it other than it's a Shiba, you know, of a token, uh, and people get a laugh out of it. So that kind of, that that's like talking towards the demand side uh, of things where, you know, the emotional human side uh, of people purchasing something. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, hang on. Uh, hey, I just heard uh, about this new token that launched called Blue Magic. Have you guys seen that? <laughs> yeah. There's only eight. Point four million, so definitely get some while you can. I'm giving them away. Like I'm going to go uh, the opposite route. Yeah, that's scarce, scarce asset, right there. Uh, you know what, Master? I'm going to go the opposite route. I want you. We make a we make a Litecoin underground token and just only yeah. create point eight four of them, and they're going to be hundred thousand dollars a piece. Do you, do you want me to uh, make them? You want me to make them divisible or not? <laughs> no, just there's only one. Of, just make one of them. Um, well, that's no fun. You can't... I'll make it for $84 million. <laughs> yeah, well, you better make your coin quickly because somebody's, somebody on this chat might be making it while we talk. I, well, I talked to Kyle. Uh, Kyle see. might have already done it, actually. Okay. Yeah. Kyle was talking about it. But uh, uh, Rage, well. Rage 42. What's up? Hey, man, man how's it going? Hey, You've been uh, out here before, right? Yeah, I was in one of your spaces uh, a while back. Yeah, I remember you. All right. What's up? Thanks, man. No, I just had a question. So I, I like at a very low level, like a retail level, um, I got a little bit into mining and I do uh, the merge mining on, on script. And so you got that, you know, connection with uh, I, I merge mine um, Litecoin and uh, Doge. And I get yeah, you, you told me about that little Doge miner, the mini Doge miner, right? Yep. And I bought a L3 plus plus recently. So I'm trying that, that out as well. Eventually. If I could get my hands on an L7, I would, but that's like much harder to get. Um, but anyways, um, so I, you know, it's really beneficial to merge mine, obviously. Like, why wouldn't you? Because, um, you know, you get paid out in both Litecoin and, and uh, Dogecoin. And I, I do that through um, uh, the like, like the, the main one, the Litecoin. What's up? Sorry. Uh, Litecoin pool. Yep. So, yeah, I do that through them. And uh, I don't just what your thoughts are on um, that aspect of it, the connection of, of Doge being on the same script. And then uh, I just want to know your thoughts on like, um, you know, a big Dogecoin's like big, I guess, claim is, is uh, low transaction fees. Uh, and if Litecoin kind of already has, you know, similar fees or it's, it pretty much, meets that need or, or not, you know, in, in some aspect in this, I'm just speaking from like, you know, minimal knowledge, but, you know, with Dogecoin, you know, scaling through, you know, some kind of uh, inflationary aspect, you know, like a diminishing inflationary aspect in, in that, you know, it releases so many Dogecoins per year and then slowly it'll get reduced as opposed to, um, like relative to the overall quantity as opposed to Litecoin, which is like Bitcoin in that there's a limited supply. But mm -hmm. if the value goes up, then, you know, you might need secondary layers to make the transactions cheaper. And that might not be the case for Dogecoin, but I, I don't know. 
So just thoughts. Does anybody? I have a. I I mine Dogecoin or Litecoin or whatever. I mean, obviously, all the profitability from mining right now is coming from Dogecoin. Does anybody know if there's going to be a having in Dogecoin, like there's going to be in Litecoin? Uh, okay. So I, no, there is not. I'm gonna. I'll answer. There both. isn't. Okay. I'll try to answer both these. I guess Doge. So Indigo is great about this. Master's got this. He's working on too. What we're what we've kind of coined. I guess they've coined. I'm not going to try to claim it. The Nakamoto standard, right? So Dogecoin uh, definitely would be that third layer. Like if you had Bitcoin being the primary means of exchange, if fees are low, but once those blocks fill up, pressure relief goes into Litecoin. Once Litecoin fills up, then the next step down would be Doge. What would be great to see Doge do over time is get development on the Lightning Network Adopt Mimble Wimble, adopt tap, adopt all adopt all the things that Bitcoin and Litecoin have adopted. Um, because if truly we get to a world where uh, people don't use dollars or stable coins, you know, this dream world I guess we all hope will happen. Um, yeah, Dogecoin has a very legitimate place in the world. We're a long ways away from that. Like, and that's that's where I, I get frustrated with all this stuff that the exchanges are, you know, all these tokens, and it's we're all living in this fiat world. Like, I feel like in the last three years, we've gone from people were all about, you know, we're going to replace the dollar, to now it's become we're just going to work alongside the dollar, and I. Or, or we still idolize the dollar, right? It's all about Lambos and bullshit you can buy, <laughs> you know. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm rooting for Dogecoin, and I know they got a great community. You guys have a, a huge start with the community you have. Dogecoin doesn't have a network. Litecoin has a network. And what is what does that mean specifically when you say it doesn't have a network? And Litecoin, like, as far as like the secondary network layer mm, kind of kind of so the actually whole... dogecoin has more of a network than litecoin does there are more people running with dogecoin nodes nowadays than there are running litecoin nodes that's yeah not by yeah. much though you're right let's let's right. also be clear about what a node is sorry to interrupt yeah. but mm -hmm. first off you know super node are the ones that are uh, known to the network those are the ones that are being counted if you run a full node you know you're not actually being counted if you're running a light node you're not being counted uh, so also i think the omni light if you're running omni light you're essentially also running a node i think it's a full node or it could be a light node but again they're not being counted I'm not, why aren't I'm, the full I'm nodes saying, counted I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing for those this is how it is this, this is what this whole idea about merge mining because those that doesn't have a network. So in order to operate and to be protected, you need the network. So you guys paying fees to the Litecoin network through the mining. Hey, Buglamas, I got a, uh, I did a little bit of research into merge mining. It was actually something that Satoshi Nakamoto proposed a little while ago. Yeah. And essentially, yeah. essentially, you know, the miners that are mining both Big Litecoin and Dogecoin they are not competing for that hashing power. So those miners are earning both Litecoin and Dogecoin. And Dogecoin is not competing for Litecoin with Litecoin for the S-script hashing power and vice versa. They both technically have 99% of the S-script hashing power. Yeah, Litecoin has it actually. 
No, they both do. I mean, no. Litecoin has it. Technically, they, they both do. Uh, so Litecoin essentially saved Dogecoin, but now uh, Doge essentially has the same because merge mined. Um, yeah. yeah so the, question is, the question is, what would happen if that merge mine went away? Which network would 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 gain the script hash majority? That would be a good thought exercise. Yeah. Well, I don't. Let's not let's not go down that road. Why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Why, not? Why not? No, I like. I almost look at them like when you really think about it, they're they're just one, they're one and the same, right? They're they're just two different representations of the same asset. Yeah one uh, one one asset's inflation inflationary and one asset's not you know i don't know it's interesting well, they're, both, they're both inflationary it is it is interesting it is it is really interesting like the, the, thing, the thing with doge the thing with dogecoin is that get the litecoin miners paid from 2021 yeah true and it, it's helped it's very much helped the litecoin network because the price doesn't help at all have a miner the l7 the l7 is because of dogecoin i think a hundred percent. No, the L seven is the is the next step. The, the I know, but I'm telling you, the, the good thing with Dogecoin is that the L threes are gonna stay on. That's that, that's a good thing. I agree. Yeah, with, if, if we can Bitcoin, seek out cheap power, if we can seek out cheap power, cheap electricity, then you can be any. It doesn't matter what machine you got. You can run these mini Doge miners. You know, matter. paying four percent, four cents a kilowatt hour, or zero cents solar. The, or the new miner is like twenty times. I know. I looked it up. It's ridiculous. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> so the L3 miner is going to be good for for Dogecoin. I don't believe we'll ever. I don't believe we'll see an L3 miner for at least a year. The L7. I'm sorry. They're already, yeah. they're already coming. Yeah, me too. Me too. No, we haven't seen any I'm come gonna, out at all. I'm in big disbelief. They say that they're going to come out, and they keep telling people that, oh, yes. they'll be out next month, or they'll be out next month. But it's always next month. And uh, I think they're um, competing for, for um, foundry, for chip foundry, whatever status. And their chip foundries are in China. And China has a ban on cryptocurrency, so uh, crypto chips aren't really high in the priority to the seven nanometer chip boundaries. And I don't yeah, they're, think they're, they're in uh, Taiwan, right? Isn't that where they're being made for the most part? The the seven nanometers? No, the chips. Yeah, I don't know. Man, talk about they're... a thing that we should have all invested in was microchips. Right. <laughs> the whole world runs on those things. You know what I mean? All of our automotive, all freight, all trucking. In order to make a truck, you got to have a chip. In order to make a car, you got to have a chip. In order to make a computer, you got to have a chip, a miner. Everything, everything runs on those things. Yeah, and what do we have for technology in the United States? We have like zero founders. Yeah, how do we not? Yeah, how do we not have a microchip manufacturer in the United States? Wait, I mean, Intel is investing significantly, but a lot of people mock them. I, yeah, like eighty percent of the world is in chip supplies coming from Taiwan or something insane. I know there's like that TSMC, Samsung, and then Intel now. They're like the only three chip manufacturers. Well, pretty solid Samsung's form of money, to be honest with you. <laughs> there's Micron out of Idaho, too. 
I don't think we'll be able to answer this question, but I have one concern. And my concern is of a nation level attack. I think at this point with Bitcoin, we can all assume and agree that there's so much power, hashing power behind it, that no nation would be able to come up with enough hashing power to be able to do a 51% attack. I don't know what that stands for. Right. Well, Uh, I don't know where that stands at right now. And so I'm actually really hoping that these L7s come out because and are distributed. Once they are, you know, then that would just make it so much harder, I think, and for a nation to attack uh, Litecoin and to 51% attack it. Why they would do that, what incentive they would have to do that, I don't know. Uh, But at the same time, you know, it would be very costly, right, for them to still do it. They have to buy the mining hardware. They have to come up with all the mining hardware, CPUs, GPUs. You know, the ASICs are out there, and those are very powerful and hard to, you know, uh, come up with that same amount of hashing power. But with, but still, I don't know where Litecoin stands. I don't know where if anyone can. There's another it. way. There's another way of doing that. Instead of buying more and getting more hash power, you can do the same of what just happened today, which was 20% of hashing power was down, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the internet was banned somewhere, right? Yeah, that's what I just said. Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan had um, uh, they had a, a surge in natural gas price. There were riots, and they're just calling. They're that's actually the asking for help from the Russian military, and they shut down the internet. And that twenty-five percent. Like, how coincidental is it that that's the place that all these Chinese miners went? And oh wow. Two months, three months later, they're having this unrest over a energy increase, a price. That's... And it, and it happened price. to happen at a critical support line for Bitcoin price, right? So we're seeing geopolit- we're seeing geopolitical. Uh, I think they're all trying to get cheaper Bitcoin. Uh, dude, that's what I, I think I don't think they want it cheaper, man. Uh, they don't want. They just don't want it around. They want to destabilize it. Yeah, but I still think yeah, China is. I, th- I still think China is buying Bitcoin secretly. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I think they have their own coin. They're developing their their own coin, and there are some uh, reports of some developers working on it uh, lately. I don't know if you if you've seen that. Yeah, yeah we're totally cool. we're totally aware of a China central bank digital currency, but I just still think they might be hoarding it um, secretly, right, as national security. Yeah, or just awesome. yeah, absolutely. I believe that absolutely. <clears throat> I uh, I think I I think I need to say something, and uh, probably you guys can debate the topic on that. But I think the problem that right now both Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin they're all facing right now is there are a ton of different coins, a ton of different projects, and they're just taking market cap away from the big coins into smaller projects that no one knows what's going on. It's just, they're just getting listed every day. And uh, yeah, I think that's one part of the problem, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think if you define the problem, it's like price not going up. Yeah, it's like, but there's just speculation. There's like supplies meeting demand. Yeah, right. The people who are buying into those coins don't know what they're doing. And I mean, from my perspective, I'm just like, who cares, right? Like, I know we're all speculating on specific coins, but like, it's not really affecting these other chains. They're still operating fine. They're just not growing in price. Well, and I think that'd be the interesting to look at, the interesting thing about it. I mean, obviously, the media is going to report on maybe what's interesting to people. 
but you don't ever you never read an article about what's why is bitcoin this revolutionary technology right it's how can it make you rich how can it make you more us dollars how can it make exactly. you fiat value you know fiat rich uh not about escaping the system anyway right and and i think until we I think I think that's the war, that's the battle we're up against. As an that's why I every week I want to talk about this as a entire crypto community, not as a uh, Litecoin only person. Is that this is a we have to be aware that this is a an attack vector of the people trying to delegitimize real assets. They do not want cryptocurrency to survive. It cannot. The government and cryptocurrency cannot coexist, at least not in its current form, right? All right, Maximalista, you came up. Go ahead and say something, man. Sorry. Litecoin Maximalista, Aaron, right? Yes. Hey, how you doing, guys? I just want to um, jump in. Are you in the bathroom or something? You in the bathroom? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I'm using the uh, Bluetooth headset. Uh, just let me know if it sounds weird, and I'll turn it off. Just echoey. It just sounds like you're in a, a big hall or something. I was actually at, at my house hall. But um, okay, I, I came to the living room. I just want to jump in and chip with some information. I was listening to you guys, and uh, I don't know who said it, but you guys mentioned that the Bitcoin price dropped because of uh, the internet ban in Kazakhstan. I don't know how to say that. that weird. Kazakhstan. Pakistan, that's that's a good Right. Uh, I don't I don't believe that's why the price of Bitcoin dropped. Uh, I don't even think it has a lot to do with it. It's more because of the Fed's uh, minutes uh, today. The all right. So, I'm sorry, everyone. I I make YouTube videos about uh, crypto news, and I read about all this uh, about these topics every single day. And very early in the morning, I, I read about the uh, Kazakhstan internet ban, and it didn't affect the price at all. But today was a special day because the Federal Reserve was going to give out the minutes of what they talked about on their last meeting la, uh, last month. And the markets, the market, and I'm talking about Wall Street, and I'm talking about crypto, they were waiting for news about the discussions that they had. And they were hoping that the Fed was not going to raise interest rate or, or they were hoping that the Fed was going to uh, keep printing money. But today they announced that they are going to, the worst scenario, they announced it. They are going to stop printing money. They uh, are going to raise rates. And they also are going to start selling the uh, bonds that they have under their balance sheet. That's a, the worst scenario. That means they're going to create a deflationary scenario. And that's why all the markets drop, including Wall Street. And the, uh, the moment that this news came out, it's a moment that Bitcoin started dropping. That's why I don't believe it was because of the internet ban. No, I don't, I don't believe that has anything to do with it. It's more because of the Fed. The Fed is scaring people. I don't believe that they will actually. Would you admit it's coincidental? It's extremely 
Well, it is, but they I, won't take Bitcoin. It happens they to be on the exact same day. I mean, come on. They won't take Bitcoin. It, yeah, but it, it is, but I, I, another... I will blame it on the Fed. That's where I will put all the blame because the moment that they gave out the news is the moment that Bitcoin start dropping. Not before. Yeah. I, was, I was watching. I was watching another the CBDC, attack and yeah, as soon as the Fed minutes dropped, everything tanked, including Bitcoin. Exactly. And true. I, I don't believe they will yeah, actually raise anything. The catalyst. I think that was definitely the catalyst, but I also think it's multivariable. So we got Russia, Ukraine, we got China, Taiwan, we got Omicron going on and maybe some other variants. Uh, so the whole entire market right now is definitely spooked. And I think that what you were saying, Aaron, about the, um, you know, the minutes of them going to be increasing the interest rate, meaning less liquidity in the market was, I think, the final nail to kind of get the market to kind of be like, all right, risk off. All right. So, so how I see it, it's the whole market depends on whatever the Fed says. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we have Omicron, if we have Delta. None of that matters. None of that actually affects the market. And I can say that straight up because the whole market didn't go down last year when everyone went home and locked down. Nothing, nothing melted down because the Fed was printing money. What are you talking about? Except in, in March. In March uh, well, uh, 2019, yeah. the whole entire market crashed. No, 2020. It was 2020. And yes, exactly. It, it happened the because, it, because the Fed had, hadn't started printing money. And the moment that the, the Fed started printing money, it's when everything went up. And it didn't matter which, uh, which um, virus we had. It started going up and nothing stopped. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't buy that. I don't buy it. And I, keep, I read it every single day. And sometimes they say it's because of Omicron. Sometimes it says it's because of Delta. But none of that actually matters. It matters if the Fed is doing an inflationary movement or a deflationary. And right now, it, it is actually saying that they will strengthen up the dollar and everything's going to collapse. But I don't believe that they will actually... Take it on. I don't believe so because then the U.S. will have to default on their debt, yeah, and that's exactly. I don't think they can do it. They are only scaring people. They are scaring investors, and that's what they do. More Litecoin. More Every week, Bagomas is like making They're cheap. Trying. I don't care. I'll get <laughs> yeah. Cheaper? Are you are you kidding? No, me? I, I think... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, man. Well, real quick, hang on a second. I'm trying to get. I'm, Richard Richard Schwartz, I'm trying to get you up here, but for some reason you're not connecting. If you get a chance to talk, you've been waiting. I'm trying to get you on it. Can you talk? Hi, I, um, you can you hear me okay? I'm, my uh, my feed keeps going in and out. So, yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah, sorry. Uh, pre- I apologize for the previous request. Just all the audio went out. Uh, you mentioned um, you mentioned Binance and Crypto.com. I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on Coinbase and also Strike.com, since Strike is seeking to essentially, uh, I guess, aiming to make the mission of purchasing and trading Bitcoin, I guess, easier for uh, newbies. I guess in what aspect, thoughts in what way, what do you mean? You're, you're referring to Strike? Yeah, or either one of them. I mean... My thought. I mean, there's like. Oh no! I was just referring. I, my my 
my latter comment was regarding Strike, not not Coinbase. But I just, I, I guess because um, with respect to Strike, um, the uh, it, you know essentially you just you're not. I mean, again, I, I'm a novice, so um, it, it just appears that the work of having to go through, like I said, different exchanges and um, and you know. It just seems like the purchase experience seems a little bit, uh, I guess, more the onboarding experience seems a little more straightforward. So, with Strike, it's better with Strike. You're saying? I'm not saying it's better with Strike. I think it's just it just appears that it's again, if you're a novice person who's who's interested in um, in the Bitcoin market, it's the onboarding experience to to uh, to purchasing. Just seems to be somewhat easier than than other platforms. Mm-hmm. That's all. Then, like, then, like, getting an exchange. Do you? Do you have? To, I have Bitcoin, not, though, actually, right? I haven't yeah. used Strike. Have you? Uh, is there a like? You got to put your license in there and everything, right? There's KYC. It is a KYC. There. It is a KYC yeah, platform, and it's. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, if if uh, and I don't know much about. It. I mean, is there a native wallet on Strike? Like, can you hold it? Uh, it's held no, in a not non-custodial wallet. It's it's not. Yeah, it's held by Prime Trust. It's a regulated. Even own. even with even with, when like, when you're getting paid with uh, with Strike, you don't hold the coin. Yeah, you do not hold it. Yeah. Right. Which yeah, I mean, and that's fine. I think I think for novices, like, I mean, it's it's like a Robinhood or a PayPal or a Venmo. It's it's the same type of experience essentially. You're holding a receipt for, hopefully somebody will give you bitcoin down the line if it's truly yours sure but you can send it out you can send it out of there into your own wallet so yeah yeah you could transfer uh, it's a mirror your... <clears throat> you know i get your... i get real like um i probably am too anti-strike sometimes just because i think that it's a bit of a to me it's it feels like i don't know it feels like deception in a way like you're not really using this lightning network you you've sacrificed all your privacy and decentralization and but as far as an onboarding experience for people who are just coming into crypto, I think it's probably a great way to get on. It's bet I would say it's better than Robinhood. Mm. You know, at least there's a wallet and you could potentially get it out of strike and into your own wallet. That's better than Robinhood. So um, the yeah, other thing for, is for, for new people coming on, I think it's probably a great introduction to it. But yeah, it's a long way from what I would like to see, but. Better yeah, than... and it was strictly my, like I said, I mean, you answered my question. Thank you. Again, it was strictly just about, again, the onboarding experience um, to someone who may be uh, apprehensive about the crypto market. So. I, I think Coinbase is the, is the best option. I always refer people to Coinbase if they ask. I say that's a great, it's a very corporate, when you people... clean, easy experience. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty simple. Uh Manuel, you got something else to say? Um, I was just uh, wondering, um, what's your op- opinion right now, guys, um, overall on the market? Besides everything else, what's going on? Um, and the Fed coming out with this. Uh, but, but this is something that we should have been expecting, though, honestly. Uh, but it seems to me that right now it's a pretty good entry point in certain assets, honestly. I, I actually want your opinion. You see, it's 
it's, it's kind of it's kind of uh, interesting that while the Fed and most of the uh, Western countries are going to start raising rates, which means we're going to go through a deflationary period. China and Russia are actually going to start decreasing rates, which means they're going to go, start going through a, an inflationary, inflationary period. To me, depending on how long it, uh, this actually takes part, we're going to start seeing bubbles start popping up. Um, the um, housing housing um, uh, bubble uh, uh, probably prices they might start dropping in the stocks. That's why I don't believe the Fed is gonna is gonna keep up with their promise. They're only scaring people, and what they're trying to do right now is there's they're trying to bring the risk factor into the into the game, and until people. Um, finally realize that the right uh, that the I'm sorry the um, the rates are not going to go up and they are going to start uh, keep printing money we're gonna have a deflationary period until then and that that's what I'm seeing and it's gonna prices are gonna drop all aboard crypto um, and Wall Street houses we're gonna start seeing that but I don't believe it's gonna it's gonna take too long until they you turn it and they start dropping grades once again. Hey guys, real quick, if just I don't want it, not to do with the conversation, but if you don't need to speak, if you can not be a speaker, I don't want to kick anybody out. But I think eleven is the max, and so I keep getting rejections. So if you want to come back up again, I'm always bringing people up. But just step back if you don't have anything immediately to say so all right sorry about that go ahead i was gonna give my comments real quick on like my outlook because it's like hard there's like half of me that sees these bullish theses playing out um i think a lot of what litecoin i don't know the last part of his name said was correct like the fed is the largest variable affecting markets if you look at central bank balance sheets at the fed compared to all asset classes it's generally like highly correlated um and i do think he's also right that the fed is going to reverse course eventually but i think asset prices may take a hit meanwhile i think cpi and prices of real goods are going to increase so i think this is going to really hurt especially you know middle middle america because they're going to see their cost of living rise substantially at the same time, like some of their asset prices, their net worth declining. Um, and, th- and then if you look at larger data, like trade and federal deficits, the U.S. is breaking records almost every month um, by like setting new all-time highs for trade deficits, which means that <laughs> we're printing up this money and buying foreign goods, not making it ourselves. So in the long term, eventually, like the dollar has to fall to offset that weird trade imbalance and America's should be poor for quite a while until it can like ramp up production if if it can. So I don't know. I, I, I overall I think it's people are going to get a lot poorer. Um, the the bullish side though in the crypto world is that it is a hedge against inflation <clears throat> if people actually start adopting this as money, which is the end goal. Um, 
then the real demand for these networks will drive the price up. Um, and, and then eventually we're going to run into a conflict with, uh, you know, regulation. People, like there, there is eventually going to be this inevitable war between central banks trying to maintain their ability to tax or, or governments, their ability to tax through the money and people trying to resist that tax through opting out. So I don't know. It's, it seems like we're at an inflection point here. I'm, I'm glad you said the word first. I do think we're going to, this may be a very long currency war. You know, it's, I mean, it's probably been going on. I mean, since maybe the early nineties or so, like since China became a major player that, uh, the, I mean, money, I mean, the currency is, uh, it's all, it is all fiat. I mean, we're sitting here laughing about the tokens being created. I mean, these governments have been creating magical money for the last 50 years right so with no backing in anything no basis in reality and they're they're trying to out manipulate each other and crypto has created this new element of uh, just a a new player in the game that is a threat and a, a very real part of it so yeah I mean it's it may be very painful if, if they truly go through with some of these things you're talking about, like Coin Maximalista. Like, you're 100 percent right. The Fed, the Fed runs the game. The Fed almost controls the entire world in that sense. Hey, just remember that the Fed only can manipulate the U.S. dollar. It cannot yeah. manipulate Litecoin or Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. In- well, well, yeah, of course it can inflate the supply, but it, but right. they control the U.S. dollar. Is I think for all intents and purposes, is the world currency right now, right? It is. Right now, it is. But I, also, I, I want to point out, do not look at the CPI as a way to measure inflation. Always look at the producer's um, price index because producers do not like in the CPI and the inflation rate that the Fed gives us or the government gives us, they always lie on it. So I always look at the producers. And yeah. right now, inflation in the U.S. is going, it's running at 10%. It's not running at 10%. That's a lie. It's, it's actually higher. I, mean, and, uh, I work with manufacturers and like plastic resins, right? Imagine what plastic resins are in. They've doubled in 18 months. 100% increase. So everything that has plastic in it that you buy furniture, cars, your desks, your appliances, everything has plastic in it. It's doubled, not 10%. It's doubled, 100% increase. Aluminum. Uh, uh, aluminum is time four, by the way. It's uh, yeah. 400 times more expensive right now. Like, I almost think we're, we're like diluting ourselves, acting like 10% is even real. I think yeah, it's... I extremely it could be extremely painful look look at the look at the increase on on house prices they went up by 30 percent and then used cars went up by 39 percent everything is going up around the same even uh even cotton uh cotton went up by 40 44 percent everything is going up and they're they are lying on the inflation rate you're you're right it's probably it's probably around between 25 to 35 
which is actually the amount of US dollars that they printed in the last 12 months. 25% of the um, of the money supply, the work, it, it was mint in the um, last 12 months. So you're right. It's probably higher, even higher. Have you guys looked at the chat, the Chapwood index? C-H-A-P-W-O-O-D. Uh, maybe not. So it's a, it's like a nonprofit organization and they essentially, their whole mission is to debunk the CPI and to, um, they go through and actually try to look at real prices and all the modifications that happen to CPI. Um, one thing that's interesting, I had a friend who told me about, uh, he showed me this article about uh, one of the few things that has not changed in a hundred years is a can of tomato soup from Campbell's like same ingredients, same size can same, like everything's the same as it was a hundred years ago. And that's like one of the very few measures of inflation you can actually take to the bank because like nothing's changed about it but like production efficiencies increased right the volume the amount of tomatoes harvested every year has dramatically increased the efficiency of equipment and uh, packing equipment has all increased dramatically and yet the price still has gone up an insane amount so I think I can um, I can add something, um, and then you can move me out of the speakers list if you don't if if you want because I know there are small people wanting to wanting nope. to join. We're good right now. We're good right now. All right. Um, so the thing the thing that I think that's really 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 important. I know the U.S. dollar is is going through a deflation process right now, or it will in the near future. But the thing is, the whole the rest of the world they will actually maintain the level because let's put it this way um we get some assets going down on crypto right we get some coins lowering their value there's going to be a lot of injection from euro from uh, from the chinese uh, yen there's a lot of coins being bought every day and it's 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 going to compensate each other if if i'm honest in my perspective I think that's the safest point we can take on this perspective. But I don't know. Um, just sharing my my thought out there. Right now, um, whenever when the Fed actually, and I'm sorry, guys. I know I keep jumping back in, but I I love these topics, and this is what I do every single day. I actually uh, go ahead and look at the graphs and looks at look at the news, and I um, I love this, but. If you want to follow uh, what's happening, no, oh, sorry, go ahead. Let me back. Let me back up right, really quick. The Fed, whenever if they increase the rate, it's gonna destroy the um, the markets, the the currencies of uh, what you call of emerging markets, because the money is gonna get sucked out into the U.S. bonds and into the U.S. dollar. So you're going to see a lot of uh, emerging markets currencies actually dropping. You can follow all this information if you go to tradingeconomics.com and then you can go to the um, currency section. You can actually see what's going up against the U.S. or the U.S. is going down against what. And it actually works very well to keep following all these numbers. And for the inflation information, 
you can go to the uh, shadowstats.com. That's another website that you can also keep looking at it just to keep up with all these topics. Yeah, but it's it's insane. Let me just uh, tell you this. Like 12, 12 months ago, uh, 1,500 euros were something like, I don't know, $900? Uh, no, I'm sorry, the opposite. Um, $1,500 were something like 900 euros. And one week ago, or two weeks ago, uh, $1,500 were the equivalent to 1,300 euros, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So the rate is all messed up. It's insane. The inflation is gigantic because you know the coins have to i don't know what's the word about it uh, but they have a certain ratio that they can be of a difference so i don't know if i'm explaining myself well um yeah, yeah. I, think, I think you're so, saying so you're saying the euros yeah the, that's that's what i'm saying the dollar so all that sadly all that. is still the best bet for the entire world out you know outside the u.s the dollar is still much better than the Australian dollar or the Canadian dollar or the Euro or any other major currency, right? Yes. People around the world keep saving in the US dollars. And that's there's a trick. The US dollar is printing a lot of money. Uh, um, it was printing uh, 120,000 uh, billion, I'm sorry, 120,000 billion dollars every single month. And you think you guys didn't see all that inflation in the U.S. because the U.S. was exporting that inflation into the rest of the world because people were saving in U.S. dollars. They were buying it. And in Europe, the central bank was doing exactly the same thing that the Fed is doing in the U.S. They were printing euros, euros every single month. They were printing it. You can see, actually, if you go and check the bond, on on Germany on German bonds, they're actually negative. You pay the government to take your money. They don't pay you. You pay them, and that only happens when you have a central bank that is printing so much money and they're buying so many uh, so much bonds or so many bonds. They they actually push the rates into the negative territory. That's why the euro is weakening because they are printing too much of it. And it's not a, it, it is a reserve currency, but it is, it is not as strong as the US dollar. That's why you guys are taking the inflation directly, while the US is exporting the inflation to the rest of the world. And it's increasing the prices around the world. And it can maintain the status of reserve currency because other countries keep buying it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Perfectly. Yeah. Speaking of a reserve currency, wouldn't it be interesting if Litecoin oh. were to become the, uh, what's it, if a stable coin like the USD were to be on Litecoin, like USD Lite? I don't know, I want to bring this conversation back to Litecoin instead of macroeconomics. I think well, most of us are kind of in here. But uh, anyways, well, has anyone... I was thinking, I was right, thinking about the, va the, the value that we were talking in the in the beginning on 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 those coins this is exactly the value so they cannot interact interrupt the whole network and the whole system 
this is why Bitcoin and Litecoin have special money. Okay, they do all this. This is the value because you can transfer value without them approving or disapproving. That's the whole point. You guys just, just described the need for Bitcoin and Litecoin. Yeah. No, I, I think we're all here because we know that. This right? is why Bitcoin and Litecoin exist. It's it's almost uh, it's a little bit you know I think even even John Kim right which I I like to bust his chops because he's Mister buying a Lambo <laughs> but he brings a lot of attention to Litecoin uh, you know he even you know he said something a few months ago it's it if everything plays out the way we all kind of envision it's not like a fun scenario it's, it's a not at all it's it's depressing. You know, that that this has gone on and this game has been played for beyond the fifty years, even before the gold standard got abandoned, it was there was already manipulation going on. That they've just had to continually bail themselves out, and it's always at the expense of. You know, in the U.S., we feel it a little bit. We feel it three to five percent a year, but around the world, they feel it much, much more harshly than we feel it, and. uh yeah, and that, that's where this. See, it comes back to the beginning of what we talked about, right? Who who really cares about this market cap, these temporary fiat dollar uh, interpretations of value? It's not empty trust, right? Yeah, and and when you got to keep sta- being steadfast about, you got to hold your assets. You got to don't give them back. Don't let them buy your assets. Don't let them manipulate you. Anyway, Taryn, you've been waiting a long time, man. Yeah. <laughs> Break us out. I appreciate your I appreciate your patience. <laughs> no problem. No problem. I didn't want to didn't want to butt in there. Really interesting comments. So a couple of things I want to talk or or mention is that um I've seen this situation before. Um the Fed manipulates the situation until the market drops, only for the banks to buy up um you know, assets at, you know, at a discounted price. And it's a perfect timing right now because we're at the beginning of the year. Um, there is, you know, I, I, I see a bounce from here. I could be wrong, but I, I, I you know, there could be a some, some event where the Fed will, you know, continue to scare the heck out of the markets and only for the banks to buy whatever assets, fangs or whatever, crypto or whatever have you. Um, so the bankers can book profits in December 2022. So they, they do this all the time. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see why they're not going to do it again. Um, but um, that's, that, that's, that's my version of macro is just the Fed. Okay. Um, Another point I like to make is that, okay, um, it'll also give them the chance to, or the banks, the chance to get in on the crypto game because they're going to profit from it. They're going to find ways to profit from it, whether it's staking on their platforms or whatever have you or uh, wallets from on their platforms. That's, that is 100% positive they're going to do it because they want the, they want business from 
um, Coinbase. They want business from uh, Celsius and all these other staking platforms and DeFi platforms. They're, I think they're just waiting for some more regulatory work or regulatory stuff to happen. But um, the moment the banks get in on the game, I think this is all going to change. There's, all, you know, the whole dynamic of the situation is going to change. So those are the only two points I wanted to make. Do you I completely agree with uh, the banks. They they see where all this money is going to. Crypto's eating their lunch. They're seeing money leave their accounts going onto Coinbase, Crypto.com, Binance. That's like the number one is tied for the number one place for where their money is being exactly. drawn out from. So yeah, they see the writing on the wall and they're late to the party. So the Fed's coming in and I see this. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. They're they're going to scare the market to give these banks the opportunity now to get in. Correct. Correct. And you, um, you oh, I'm sorry, let me just say this really quick. You know you wanna know the worst part? Is that the banks currently they don't have to pay anything because they have they have um, the interest rate from the Fed to the banks it's zero percent they don't pay anything so while people are getting scary and people are selling their Bitcoin their Litecoin because they see that the uh, their prices are going down they're going to be able to buy everything from for you from you and they won't pay any interest on it. So don't fall for the trap. They are manipulating you. They are correct. They're correct. Making you think it's going to drop. Correct. They're the banks and the Fed are in it together. That's it. It's simple as yeah. that. That's the only game you need to follow. Forget about now talking about Russia and you and Ukraine. Vladimir is the master chess player. Okay, he is not going. You know, I've changed my mind. He's not going to invade Ukraine. This is a way for him. For, for, for Vladimir to basically bargain with Europe for certain deals or whatever have you. Same thing with China. They're not going to go and do something idiotic and, 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 uh, and against Taiwan. Again, it's all a bargaining thing for them, for these two entities. Uh, Korea, non-event, in my opinion. Um, they're just going to keep on withering away. Um, so these are, again, I've seen these kind of situations before that everyone gets into a panic. It's like it's like a, you know, feeding frenzy of negativity and fuck, this is going to go and blow up my face and I still want to make my 10% or, you know, keep my 10% or 20% profit and let it, you know, buy back lower. Never happens that way. You'll never be able to time the market ever. Um, and so, again, this is a big manipulation on the Fed's part. Um, they did this in 2018. If anybody remembers, in 2018, December, market just kept on crashing, crashing, crashing until December 21st. And then it started to pop up after that when the Fed uh, changed the course. So it is going to happen. In the next couple of months, or I would say this first half is going to be very volatile. Um, so it's best to just shut off. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I, I think they will eventually reverse course. One a couple statistics that worry me though is like there's record number of people leaving their jobs and i think like i know a few and i know a number of them have unrealized gains that they're just you know sort of holding on to um and some of them even have like borrowed against their assets um that that worries me because i think if you do have a downtrend you 
you can have like these people who are either all in in the crypto markets or like quitting their jobs and just have these like stocks that they're holding they think they can live off of and they'll keep going up if if that you know liquidity isn't there and, and markets do start to come down they they may be forced sellers and then yeah you're right the banks will scoop up their assets because they'll be you know liquidated and, and looking for jobs again um i don't know what your thoughts are on that but i definitely know a few people and i've, I've seen the statistics that 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 make me worried no that it's i agree with you 100 percent um the reason why people are quitting their jobs because they don't want any any um they want to have zero income zero w2 income um in, in 20 for 2022 because if they've had um you know you know massive gains whether it's short term or long term they prefer obviously to have uh, pay tax 20 tax versus a 40 tax and if they're earning 100 or 200 thousand dollars a year and then they have a massive you know capital gains whether it's short term their, their tax is just going to go way beyond uh, you know, it's going to go into the AMT and all that. It, it's it's just a nightmare, absolute nightmare. Um, so I, I do think that people are going to um, have been doing that. Um, and and um, you could be right that it's going to, you know, the market always wins as well. I got to say, don't try to, you know, manip- you know, be smarter than the market and, you know, you're going to panic. The human mind, the human mind cannot handle uncertainty. So most people can't. So they're going to get wrecked. 